0: weighted sleep sacks, weighted blankets. The concern and the reason that the American Academy is flagging this is, aside from, could it restrict their breathing physically? Could it cause them to fall in too deep of a sleep that they won't stir from? That's where the concern is coming from. So they've raised that red flag and they've said, look, there isn't necessarily significant evidence to prove that they are inherently unsafe, but at the moment we can't guarantee that they are safe and we don't recommend using them.
1: Hey there, I'm Becca Campbell, your pediatric sleep consultant. Welcome to the Little Z Sleep Podcast, where we make getting sleep help easy. This episode is airing right in the middle of summer, and sometimes you feel like sleep is not easy because you're traveling, you have vacations, you're at the beach house, you're at the grandparents' house, you're on the road or in the skies, and sleep is not easy, and I get that. But here's what I want you to do. Can you take a second and look at your calendar? If you have two weeks until your next vacation, you have time to sleep train. You really do. Our little Z sleep plans are two or three weeks of intensely working through a step-by-step program to help your family make sleep a thing. It's important that you are home during the sleep training program. And so that's why I want you to look at your calendar. If you have two weeks of nothing planned and you have time before your next vacation away, this is your opportunity. And we wanna make it even easier by giving you 30% off your sleep plan. At checkout, use code SUMMERSLEEP to save 30% off your child's sleep program right now. Head to LittleseSleep.com to get started, and let's make sleep a thing before your next vacation.
2: Hey, parents. If you have a little one under five, this quick message is just for you. If you love listening to this podcast, I'd love to invite you to also check out my podcast, Feeding Toddlers Made Easy. I'm Casey Barnes, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist and creator of the Mama Knows Nutrition community. When you're feeding your little one, a hundred different questions pop up along the way and I'm here to answer them all. And those times you feel like you're failing because they don't want to eat anything you make and they could survive off of crackers and juice alone, I've got you. I've been there too. So let's get through it together feeding them is an important job and you are doing so great let's just make it easier now just search for feeding toddlers made easy in your podcast app and follow along or come say hi on instagram at mama Nose nutrition that's m-a-m-a knows nutrition
1: Today on the podcast, we are welcoming back one of our favorite guests, Holly Choi of Safe Beginnings. And I asked her to come on. She knows I frantically DM her sometimes like, Holly, now we need to talk. (laughs) Because things are ever changing in the news and in the world. And when it comes to safe sleep guidelines, this is a pretty big deal. The American Academy of Pediatrics recently updated their safe sleep guidelines. They haven't done an update since 2016. So there were definitely some things that we needed to chat through. The biggest one being weighted sleep sacks. And I didn't mention this in the podcast, but y'all know as, as long-time listeners, I am not about gimmicks. I am not really about products. I wanna make sure that we are authentically solving the root issue of your child's sleep. And a Magic Merlin or a weighted sleep sack like the Dreamland Babies, those are not going to do anything to help your child sleep better. Those are Band-Aid solutions. And so it's relieving for me as a sleep consultant because it's like, good, I've never promoted these things before. Um, By the way, I just mentioned the Magic Merlin. I don't think that actually is included in the AAP, but you guys know, Thanks to my past episodes about the Merlin magic suit. It is not magical. And I'm not for it, I'm not here for it. But even the nested bean sleep sacks or the, uh, like I said, the dreamland baby, anything that is weighted, that is now something that the AAP is coming out saying that they do not recommend. And and I've never recommended that. And I'm just honestly relieved to hear Holly talk about why. Um, so this is a great episode to dig into and listen to the updates that are happening in the world of baby sleep products. So let's get into my conversation with Holly. Holly, welcome again and again. You are always welcome on this podcast. And anytime news breaks or seasons change and we're out and about more, I definitely like to have you on. Um, Probably the the best episode that I know is reshared all the time is our episode all about swimming recommendations and swim safety. And that is such a gold one, guys. I'll link it in the notes below so you can check that out. But today I asked Holly to come on to talk about the new guidelines brought up by the American Academy of Pediatrics um the weird question actually as a as an american to a canadian how does this impact american academy of pediatrics canadian standards let's just start there actually
0: Yeah I mean it doesn't it doesn't so health canada typically some point in the near future follows suit when there's changes like that and the canadian pediatric society and they all kind of get together and typically those changes leak up here over time Um, It hasn't immediately changed that, but it changes the way that manufacturers make their products. And so for that reason, we then see the repercussions of it or benefits, I should say, in most cases.
1: Yeah. Okay. So there definitely are some great benefits and and some, uh, anytime things are updated, people then have questions um, about yep. what's going on. So I would love to go through what are some of these changes that have recently come out? I think it was like last month, these new guidelines were updated. Uh, yeah. I think as of June 27th, 2022 is when they yeah. were updated. So uh, what are some of these new guidelines that we're looking at? So I think the biggest one
0: that came out that people are talking about, and I've been just working so hard on getting a post out on this, weighted blankets and weighted sleep sacks. That has been such a huge trend over the last, gosh, I don't even know, maybe even 10 years. I know when my daughters were babies, this was already a thing. But weighted sleep sacks in particular, there's a lot on the market. Um, some brands more popular than others, but the idea is that they had a weight on the chest that felt, um, from the marketing perspective at least, like having your parent put their hand on your chest, which a lot of babies, you know, we'll put them down, we'll put our hand on their chest and then slowly creep that <laughs> do the awkward crawl. Um, but the the issue is that when we're putting weights on children's chests like that, from the standpoint of the American Academy of Pediatrics, they've raised a few concerns. One of the concerns was having just a weight on the chest. Could that impact a baby's breathing? You know, just having something sitting on their chest we will often describe when we're feeling ill with a respiratory condition that it feels like having something, you know, sitting on your chest, an elephant sitting on your chest. And um, that can be a concern. We don't, know everything about babies breathing, right? We don't know um, everything that's going on with them and how that looks. So until we have more data, we can't conclude that they are safe. The other thing that came out that I know has caused so much buzz in the sleep world Is all of those new findings around SIDS. So we had all these, you know, this new study came out where they had, you know, potentially found one of maybe the contributing factors to SIDS being that children fall into a really deep sleep, that there's an enzyme in the brain that some children may just naturally have occurring lower in their bodies than other children. Maybe some children are more genetically predisposed to this. We don't know all the answers to that question or if there's any therapies that could come into play. It's all just new, interesting sort of hypotheses that are out there at the moment. But something that's long been suspected in the SIDS realm was the idea that Um, children that fell into a really, really deep sleep or a sleep that was difficult for them to wake uh, from, that potentially that that could be one of the causes of SIDS or one of the contributors to it. Um, And so it's it's interesting that this study came out. And of course, immediately everyone's like, oh, uh, maybe I can get a test done at the hospital. Maybe they can give my baby a injection of some sort to like make sure they have enough of this enzyme. We don't have that information yet, right? There still needs to be so much more work done. Um, But it is interesting because this has been long suspected that maybe falling into a deeper sleep could be one of these contributing factors. And that's why there's always been the recommendation of not having children overheat when they're sleeping, trying to keep them from getting into that really deep sleep because we know that infants do pause breathing regularly in the first few months of their life and that that is a normal thing but then this reflex kicks in where they you know stir and their breathing kicks back in and it's that cycle we know that having um, that shared sleeping space not shared sleeping surface but space having parents nearby can often cause them to stir so this was all interesting information to come across because when we come back to the idea of the weighted sleep sacks weighted blankets the concern and the reason that the American Academy is flagging this is, aside from could it restrict their breathing physically, could it cause them to fall in too deep of a sleep that they won't stir from? We want them to be able to stir, and not necessarily stir and wake up and cry, right? That's not the goal, but just stir enough that they kick back in. So um, that's where the concern is coming from. So they've raised that red flag and they've said, look, there isn't necessarily significant evidence to prove that they are inherently unsafe, but at the moment we can't guarantee that they are safe and we don't recommend using them.
1: Which brings up two other things that, one, uh, is not new as far as, I think, re- recommendations, and I actually want to look this up while we're talking, although you may know off the top of your head, uh, circulating air from a ceiling fan or a fan in the room. That is a, a big proponent to help reduce the risk of SIDS, and I'm assuming it has everything to do with, like you said, kind of having that not overheating element, having the air moving, causing some stirring for the child. Correct, and just making sure
0: that they're not rebreathing the same air consistently. Making sure that they get that movement of air circulation. When we look to even simple things like stroller safety, one of the reasons we don't want to cover strollers with a blanket is because we need that movement and circulation of air, so that the air doesn't become too hot in one spot, so that we have oxygen moving around. They're not rebreathing the same air, um, and all of those things combined together just helps reduce the risk for any kind of respiratory situation to come up. So, um, yeah, the, the question I often get there is, why why can't you point the fan directly at the baby? Why do they say point it, like, away from the crib or at the ceiling or have a ceiling fan? Um, we just also don't want to, like, chill the baby either. So, um, and if you've ever had someone just blow in your face, it's not fun. Um, so no. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's just we just want to make sure that the air is circulating is really at the end of the day that making sure it's not stagnant hot in one spot we get good oxygen flow.
1: Okay, so I also know you did a fantastic reel about this the other day, I think, that just because something says like it's for safety doesn't mean that it is. And I love um, part of the guidelines that they now have talking about the use of commercial devices that claim to reduce the risk of SIDS, Mm -hmm. i.e. the outlet or monitors. Um, And I know from the sleep standpoint, um, I've never been able to stand these things because they definitely produce false information where parents get so freaked out about like, oh no, my child moved 20 29,000 times last like no or you know like outrageous uh, things that like no of course like of course they're moving you want that or you know it, it became loose like it's uh, it's a tool that it was designed for good but it's sometimes just not helpful so this is a new addition right that they are coming out strong and saying we do not recommend this. Yeah.
0: So previously, there had been a lot of material on the Internet from the American Academy of Pediatrics saying that we don't recommend them. But they've really come out like full force this time saying, please just stop. Just stop. Um, Now, here's the thing. Uh, I consider myself a bit of a hypochondriac um, and maybe justified in that for those of you that are listening that don't uh, follow me on Instagram or don't know my story well, I have a reconstructed airway and uh, that happened uh, almost 10 years ago now. And for me, in the process of that, I'm the person that has all the medical equipment. I have a blood pressure monitor. I have an oxygen saturation monitor. I've got a peak flow meter to see how my lung capacity is doing. I'm that person. And so um, good thing I did not have any money when I was pregnant because I probably would have bought all that (laughs) stuff. I love diagnostics. I'm here for it. Here's the thing, though. Um, A lot of it is um, really just a lot of false positives and the marketing is very good. Um, Of course, you're going to come across people with any device who have a really positive experience, claim that it saved their life, that it was the only thing that would have uh, potentially made the the difference in that situation. That could be true. Um, But the thing is that from their perspective at the American Academy of Pediatrics, uh, the, the benefits do not outweigh the risks. We know that especially things that are attached to children have a heightened risk um, when we've got cables attached to them, um, or oxygen saturation uh, monitors actually have the potential to cause burns. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a fairly low risk, um, but it is there even in adults um and it's just that idea that people are getting hyper concerned and um a lot of um extra resources going towards things that weren't problems um and i understand it uh i had i well i still have anxiety but i had really rough postpartum anxiety so i i get i get it i understand it totally but They don't recommend them because it's just the data is not there to support them being necessary when we have our other safe sleep practices in play. So um, my advice, save your money, save your money, you know, um, invest in things that are going to actually make your child safer, um, which oftentimes is less things, uh, just having less things. You don't need all the things. Um, So, yeah, I'm glad I didn't have money on that stuff because I probably would feel sad about it. But uh, currently, no, not recommended. They've come out very strong with that. Um, And they have had that messaging for a few years, but they're just really being firm on it now.
1: Yeah. Well, um I think that's a great kind of segue into again I I'm I'm grateful um for the the product rec- product mentions of the weighted sleep sacks and the weighted blankets and the weighted um swaddles and things like that because I, I actually do want to say that yeah their marketing is really good and uh unfortunately the marketing got to be way intense with trying to get sleep consultants trying to get mom influencers to you know wrap yeah. their product to show their product to and I'm super grateful that Um, A lot of the Sleek community was like, yeah, no, seems something's kind of off about that. But um, that's definitely something to be just remembering as we're scrolling through social media um, that uh, the marketing is good, but it doesn't mean that it's something that you need to have and that is helpful or safe for your child. And I want to talk about that for a
0: second because last, so September's Baby Safety Month, in case anyone wants to be as excited about that as I am. Um, But last September, I worked with a baby monitor company that does use a monitoring device. It's not worn on the baby uh, or not... I wouldn't say it's not wired um, and it's not powered in any way, but does claim to use some monitoring things. And my caveat to working with them was I said, look, I'll write a blog post about why I do love your monitor. However, I am going to just make a mention of the fact that this is not currently something that's recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics because uh, there is a lot of strong marketing out there. But in terms of integrity for us as people in that space of influence, it is important to make sure that we're still within those guidelines. And um, again, it's not recommended at the moment.
1: Yeah, definitely having that filter, okay? a Filter as you're looking at what are, who's recommending this? Is this a mom influencer uh, getting the affiliate kickback for it? Is it a professional saying something about it? So yeah, got to be careful. Um, Okay, so what are there some other um, additions or improvements or um, differences in findings that the AAP has talked about recently?
0: So the other one was um, with the address to sleep surfaces. So previously, they had said you need to have a firm surface for your baby to sleep on. And they're not saying that that has changed, that you still need a firm surface, but they're now saying a firm surface flat surface. Um, They found that a lot of families were opting to use inclined surfaces, and they found that a lot of those inclines were unfortunately contributing to um, suspected SIDS cases. Um, There were infants that died. There were uh, situations where devices were coming out, by devices, I mean baby gear. So an example would be like the Fisher-Price Rock and Play. It was an inclined sleeper. Um, And then the issue with that is obviously there were some deaths related. Uh, It was recalled and that caused the CPSC to go through this whole process and all of the safety standards for sleep devices were changed and came into effect at the end of June. So um, now the recommendation is a flat, firm surface. I do hear concerns from parents often around, "Mm, my child has reflux, uh, then what speak to Mm -hmm. your pediatrician? I hear that speak to your pediatrician because, um, there are case by case basis, uh, um, what am I trying to say? Case by case, you know, situations, right? Um, but it's, it's one of those things where when we start to incline children, now we're changing the angle they're sleeping at. Now their airway is at a different angle. When children are under six months, the tone in their neck is typically just not even close to sufficient for them to be able to control proper full range of movement of their head. Um, and their heads are so heavy that that's where we can get into positional situations where their breathing becomes compromised. So um, that's where that's come from. All of those recalls, recalls again happen because we have incidents. Um, And just a reminder that, you know, yes, it's 2022. Yes, we've made these changes. But just because something's on the market doesn't mean it's safe to use. So many consumer products are not regulated. We're lucky that sleep products are regulated, and we're lucky that they continue to make changes to those regulations. Um, but that probably isn't the last change that's going to happen. So, as we get this data, things will change. Um, but these changes are positive, and it's because we're preventing things that unfortunately have happened in the past.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm grateful that uh, they've. This is now included the incline sleepers and things like that, because um, when was the last, edit? it was 2016 was the last time that this had been touched, I think. It was quite a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. at least five plus years back. Yes. Mm-hmm. And gosh, things changed so much. Like you said, five years ago when you were pregnant, same thing, like six, seven years ago when I was pregnant, I'm like, wow, I'm really glad I didn't have all these decisions. Right, um, yeah. because especially when Ellie was struggling so bad, and I, the only way that she would sleep is if I was holding her, I could totally see myself being like, oh, weighted sleep sucks. Yes, please. You know, let's right. get that." Um. So yeah, I hear you on that, and I'm grateful to know that. And um, they d- also did change. I and please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure they changed uh the wording or the recommendation for how long the baby should be in your room for. Is this true? Oh,
0: that is a good question. So um. The interesting thing is that the recommendation, and I don't, I don't, I didn't see that anywhere, but it it could be true. Um, I will say that for me in Canada, um, so
1: the recommendation was the recommendation in the U.S. previously six months? Uh, yeah, and then at one point it even said, if you want to, up to 12 months, uh, right. which a lot of people, I think it was 12 months. I think that's what it was. I think it was 12 months and they came back to six months.
0: Okay, yeah. So in Canada, it's six to 12 months. Um, and again, there's so many like physiological factors that are at play here. We know that young children are physiologically more reliant on their respiratory system than adults. Um, Somewhere in puberty there's a shift in our body where we become more dependent on our cardiovascular system. So the leading cause of like a heart, you know, failure, heart activity, you know, negative heart thing happening to an adult is typically because something happened in our heart in babies and small children, it's respiratory failure. So it's that thing failing first and then that other thing failing. So we know that they're so dependent on the respiratory system. That's why if you've taken CPR before, just to come back to my CPR instructor hat for a moment, um, you can do compression only CPR on an adult, but you have to ventilate children. You can't do compression only CPR on children. I mean, you can, but it's not going to give them a good outcome. So, um, and that's just because they need that oxygen. It's so important. So when we know that children are more vulnerable, one, because of their respiratory system, but two, because typically it's somewhere between like five to eight months when they start to develop enough tone in their neck to be able to actually pick their head up from their chest if their head were to drop roll themselves from side to side, get them out of a position they've gotten themselves into, before they have the ability to do that, we just have to be hyper-conscious of making sure they can keep their airway um, open and in a proper position, um, which on their back is, is where that is, right? And there's always that panic of, oh, they rolled onto their tummy and, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, now what? Um, mm-hmm. But the recommendation behind that is if they got themselves in that position, Like you put them down on their back, but they got themselves in that position and we're not worrying anymore because the idea is they had the tone to get there, they have the tone to get out. Um, And that plays into uh, just wearing all my hats today, car seats too, right? The idea that car seats for children under six months, like we're hyper-conscious that that angle is as reclined as we're allowed to have it because if it's too upright, then we have the risk of their chin dropping to their chest. So that that incline, again, coming back to the flat sleep surface, right? Car seats obviously aren't a sleep surface, and they're not going to be flat in the vehicle. Um, but we have to make sure children have their airway properly supported. So um, that's that all makes sense to me. Um, it makes sense that we want to make sure children are stirring to some degree at a minimum. You know, six months is really where the minimum lies for that, um, and that they're constantly having their breathing supported, kicking back in, making sure that we're <laughs> having the means to do that, not overheating them, not having them fall in too deep asleep. You have to practically like shake a child awake. They're, they're sleeping way too deeply at that age.
1: Mm, that's super interesting. I had never heard that before. This article from the AAP, um, it's focused on the back is best, which we are all very aware of from that. Um, But I am super thrilled to see there's a a big chunk on here talking about the infant uh, deaths are 67 times higher when sleeping with someone on a couch or a soft armchair or cushion. And I I talk about this uh, in our newborn course for sure, because something that is um, so cute that parents are always like, oh, look, daddy fell asleep with the baby and they're both sleeping on the couch. And you're like, no, uh, why, why is this such a risk? Why is this 67 times higher if you're sleeping with your child? Because some people would say, well, it's safer because I'm right there. OK, so this is such a slippery
0: slope. And I will say in Canada, it's really interesting because we have quite different guidelines around when uh, that could be considered appropriate, not on a couch or chair ever. but. Um, there's some cultural considerations that Canada has in their safe sleep guidelines, which is really interesting and very different from the U S. Oh. Um, that being said, uh, it's a slippery slope because like you said, you bring, you, you got your baby. It's the first few nights you're at home with your baby. They're only sleeping on your chest. Suddenly now I'm so exhausted. I haven't slept. I'm not used to not having this sleep, you know? Um, and so you think, well, I'll just lay down with them on the couch. Next thing you know, you've fallen asleep too, and it often is not intentional and often we're doing it just because we're desperate and uh, if you are feeling tired and you're sitting on an armchair of some sort like a lazy boy or you're like on the couch um, please put your baby somewhere else put them on the floor put them in a crib or bassinet just make sure that they are somewhere that is flat and supportive of their airway and I say that because this is purely uh, you have your child asleep, and then suddenly you fall asleep, and your arms might kind of give way, and the child rolls into a soft surface. They can't get out of that um I mean, as you said, there's the data to support it. There's so many really awful stories about this, but uh, you see how it happens, like you said mm-hmm. like you're you you had to have your daughter on you, and you're tired um I am a huge advocate for take support postpartum okay you might feel gross you might hate having people around but if you can set good boundaries and have someone come around to say i just need to nap would you sit awake on the couch and go watch mm-hmm. your soap opera's grandma that's fine sit hold baby for me please i need to take a nap but i can't i can't find a safe way to do this get some help um but otherwise yeah if you, the second you start to think oh i i think i'm going here
1: mm-hmm.
0: red alert baby is no longer on that uh, soft surface with you. Um, And I I hear that, like, you know, like we've all either been there or almost been there. It's it's a very quick thing to happen, but it's that they can't get out of the position.
1: Right. So this is a, a really good segue into kind of the last encouragement. And hey, it's scary to hear about infant deaths and these are the new guidelines. And sorry, you've put your hope in that weighted sleep sack, but you know, it's not recommended anymore. There are parents that feel like they're in fear of every day and and what could happen and the what ifs feel like they are overtaking them as a mom and as someone who probably likely filters through that as well, what are some encouragements that you can share to parents as they're trying to decipher these new things or trying to understand uh, what the guidelines are and how to present safe sleep? What's your encouragement for them? So
0: to empathize with them for a moment, I remember it being three weeks postpartum and I was just struggling every aspect every aspect just struggling I was in an awful place my sister is a doula she came over and she said to me you know by six weeks you're gonna feel like a new woman everything's gonna be great I burst into tears because I was like that's three weeks from now (laughs) and I was like I'm not gonna make it another three weeks like this Um, but that stuff's really hard in the moment I will say it gets better. A lot of it just, it gets better. Sometimes it means getting more help and having someone watch you so you can get a restful sleep. Sometimes it might mean that that means you have to wake up a few more times in the night because your baby's on a safe sleep surface and it sucks and it's hard, but they do build that habit and it does get better. Um, And of course there's regressions and that sucks too, but it gets better. For me, I know from a data standpoint that when we look at the reductions of incidents, when we put all of these safety measures in place, it's significant. And there are, I always like to also come back to the fact that there are some things that are preventable and there are some things that aren't. There are some things that can't be explained. Um, there are people who do everything right and still something happens. That's outside of your control. Control what you can. Um, the likelihood of that being you is so minute. Um, And if you have all of your other things in play, you've learned your risks, you understand what the hazards are, and you've managed those for yourself, you've done everything in your power and that is the most important thing. So take a moment to make sure that you've got things set up safely. Uh, Make sure you've got good support on those days that you need support. Um, You know, even if that means maybe you hire someone, um, it's good to make sure that you've just got those things checked off and that just give yourself a peace of mind. It's the easiest thing. I will also say shameless self plug. Um, but, uh, you know, if you know Please how to perform CPR, right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Majority of CPR is performed on children under six months when we're looking at that age group, um, because of the respiratory sensitivity at that age. So, you know, have life-saving skills, know what to do if something does happen, um, we've got, we've got so many safeguards. And I say as many layers of protection you can build in for yourself, take them. Don't let someone tell you you're being overprotective. You're doing your job. You're keeping your kids safe. Um, Don't listen to that. You know, don't listen to survivorship bias. People saying, well, you know, I did this with you and you were fine. That's great. Here's the data. I'm going to follow the data. Just brush it all off. Don't Listen to other people's opinions about your safety choices because your safety choices at the end of the day, if you are following the data and you're doing things by the book, we know that that's what saves lives and that's the most important thing at the end of the day.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I love you had a nugget in there. You said you can control what you can con- control, right? And so educating yourself, controlling what you can control, um, shaking off what other people are are throwing at you if there's any shade being thrown at you, um, and equipping yourself with those skills. So, okay, you can help us equip us with those skills. So how can someone start your CPR classes, start your uh, car seat education? What's the next step?
0: Totally. Um, so best place to find me is my Instagram account, which is at safe beginnings. So if you look up safe beginnings on Instagram, you'll find me. Um, all of that stuff is linked through the link in my bio. Um, and, uh, I've also recently joined TikTok. I'm not very good at it. So don't judge me on my TikTok account. Um, but you can I'm not even me. there. So, you know, you're <laughs> oh. gone. Good. Good. It's a, it's a mess. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I think we're too old for it. And we're not even <laughs> that old. Um, I know. <laughs> so, hey, but, uh, you know, check out my Instagram is the best place to find my resources. And I just use that as my continuing education as well. So my courses are through the link in my bio. My Instagram I use as just keeping people up to date, making sure people have those immediate tips that they need to keep their little ones safe. Um, I am sure I'll be back here all the time. I I love being here. So uh, you can also find me here, but for my courses and CPR and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Instagram, safe beginnings.
1: Thank you, Holly. We're going to put all those links below. Um, Anytime there's like a break in something or Holly posts something really awesome about sleep on Instagram, I'm always like sharing it and wanting her to come talk more about it because you're such a wealth of knowledge. So thank you for being here again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys so much for being here on this podcast today. And if you enjoyed it, would you scroll down in your podcast player and hit that little five-star hint, hint, wink, wink, and give us a review. This is a big deal for us. We on Little Z's podcast have been doing this since 2018. And our podcast has been globally ranked as the number three pediatric podcast. And that is awesome. But if you want to take it a step further, I want to remind you that code SUMMERSLEEP is active right now. And this will save you 30% off your child's sleep plan. If you have two weeks before your next vacation, you have time to make sleep a thing. So check out littlesesleep.com, use code SUMMERSLEEP, and we will get your family sleeping well so soon. Thank you guys so much for being here. Sweet dreams. See you next time.